0: Time for the latest in sports debate. The hottest topics, the biggest
1: question marks, answered right now.
0: This is The Critical Eye with Erie Sports Now's Isaac Petcash.
1: Well, another Monday in the NFL where everything goes according to plan, right? No, wrong. Ten weeks into the season and we do not have a darned clue As to what is happening in week 10 on Sunday, again, proved it. Welcome into the Critical Eye podcast, everybody. Isaac Petkash, Joe Ledesky, Joe Von Johnson. The gang is back together after a week hiatus, but we are hitting the ground running today on this Monday, guys. And we're going to start with the NFL. We're going to start with the local teams, and let's get right to it. Gentlemen, I have a bold prediction after week 10, and I don't think I'm that far-fetched. At least, at least... Two of the three teams that we cover locally are not going to make the playoffs. I don't think the Steelers are a playoff team, and I sure as heck don't think the Browns are a playoff team. We'll start with Cleveland. Yesterday, an abysmal 45-7 loss to the New England Patriots, easily their worst loss of the season. And now the Browns sit at 5-5. Five and five. They are 500. They are last in the AFC North, and if the playoffs started today... He'd be on the outside looking in this game against New England, especially important for them because this was a chance for Cleveland to gain some ground in the wildcard race. And instead, they blow a tire after being up 7 nothing. Guys, you look at this Brown schedule. This is a team that has only beaten one team with a record above five they They've only beaten one team, the Cincinnati Bengals, that are in a playoff spot. And they are continuing to struggle mightily. I'm just going to say this out right now. And I want to start with you on this, Joe, because I know you've been fairly critical of him as well. The issue in Cleveland was not Odell Beckham Jr, it was Baker Mayfield and Cleveland does not trust this guy and that was apparent yesterday. Your guys' thoughts, I do not think Baker's the answer. I don't.
0: I can I think both can be right. Uh when uh, but I don't, I don't think Cleveland's DNA is quarterback play. It's a game manager. And again, um you know, I I don't I don't think we can just discount the fact that they're not playing with the full compliment. And now I think that's got to matter. And the Patriots, the Patriots are, are pretty good. And, and by the way, you know, Dearness Johnson, 99 yards on 19 carries is not awful. Um, You know, you look at what five sacks they gave up. Um, I don't, I don't think Baker Mayfield, uh, let me, let me put it to you this way. I think very rarely Joe Vaughn, will Baker Mayfield, at least as a Cleveland Brown, I think very rarely will Baker Mayfield be the reason the Browns win. And I also think very rarely will he be the reason that they lose. Henceforth, why I'm not an advocate that he should be the next man up and pay him a gajillion dollars. Um, And again, you know, I know that for some reason, Isaac's got this weird man crush on OBJ. But in terms of production, yesterday being the exception, but prior to that, Donovan Peoples-Jones had been a better target. Uh, I, I, would question, I would question more the, the Kevin Stefanski end of it from the standpoint that you've got Austin Hooper, you've got David Njoku, you've got all these dudes, and I understand you're down Chubb, you're on Hunt. I, I get that. And by the way, the Patriots are a lot better defensively. I think the people are, have given them credit for it. But I, I think that everybody wants to put the blame on the shoulders at the quarterback of the quarterback. I just I don't think that I don't think Baker Mayfield's good enough for it to ever be his fault or to his credit. I know that that seems like a a stand on the fence type of take, but I don't think it is. I don't think I don't think when they won last year was because of him. So I certainly don't think this year when they lose it's because of him.
2: I think Baker Mayfield is. Is who he is. I mean, I think everybody knows, you know, what you're gonna get from a week to week. My issue with Baker Mayfield is the fact that when you get a team that plays a majority of man-to-man coverage, and they give you insurmountable problems, and you can't beat it with your arm. Like quarterbacks should be able to wake up and play against teams that play man-to-man and 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 operate on a high clip. You know, granted he was down two of his his playmaking running backs. You know, Dearness Johnson had 99 yards like we just talked about, you know, which is which is a productive day running the football against a team that's defensively really good. Um, but Baker Mayfield got to be able to beat man-to-man coverage. You're going to get that uh, from a lot of teams in the NFL, especially in the playoffs. You know, they're going to make you have to beat them on second and medium, third and short, third and long situations. They're going to send pressure. They're going to make you – have to beat them in man to man, and if you can't do it, I mean his his numbers uh, in yesterday's games were pathetic um, versus a, a very good defensive team. But when you get so much man to man, you got to be able to complete passes versus man to man. If you can't do it, teams are gonna they're just gonna wear you out.
1: You know, Joe, I'm going to ignore your comment. I'll take it with a grain of salt that I have a man crush on OBJ because I think you equally have a man crush on the Cleveland Browns right now. I don't see how this team goes further. let us I mean, let, let's take a look at, at this team as a whole, right? The Cleveland Browns are going to tell you one thing and one thing only. They're a one-dimensional team. When they win games, they run the football, and they their defense plays somewhat good. But take a look at the points that they've given up in the losses that they've had. 33 to Kansas City, 47 to the L.A. Chargers, 37 to Arizona. They gave up 50 15 to Pittsburgh, and then they give up 45 to New England. This team is telling you, if we give up any more than, say, 25 points, we're not going to win the game. That's pressure on a defense. That's pressure on Mayfield. It's pressure on Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson, and when he comes back, Kareem Hunt. And guys, I, I'm looking at the schedule here, and after the Lions game next week, I'm looking at Ravens, Ravens, Raiders, Packers, Steelers, and Bengals. I don't see this team as a playoff team. And to go back to your point, Joe, I'm not saying that Odell is the reason for this team's catastrophe. I don't think he is. I don't even think he was that big of a factor. But let's face this for what it is. This is a team with a lot of pressure on it that was a Super Bowl favorite and a Super Bowl contender and arguably probably one of the top three rosters in football, and they have spiraled off a cliff. And now you look at the home stretch and you think to yourself, where do we go? The defense is sputtering out of control. They can't stop good offenses. And the offense has looked pedestrian in games in which they should play well. Is there any room for – I mean, is there any where you can go up from here? I just don't see it.
0: I – affinity for the Browns is potential. And, you know, this is a team and it's funny because, you know, you can, you can make the, the claim that they have underachieved with Baker Mayfield. But the reality is, is this is a team that's averaging 381 yards a game in total offense. That's pretty doggone good. But yet this vaunted defense is allowing 343 yards a game mean that pass rush. Has only gotten thirty sacks, I and mean, that's not a lot. I mean, you know, how many how many sacks does T.J. Watt have? Perspective, right? Um, that offensive line has given up twenty nine sacks. I think I think the most staggering number for a team that runs the football as well as they do, Joe they average thirty one twenty nine a game in time of possession. So somewhere. It, what's getting lost in translation they're not using they are not using what they're built to do efficiently they're just they're they're not i mean this is a run first team defense now again i mean again they're averaging 154 yards a game they're holding their opponents to less than 95 yards a game on the ground less than 4 yards a carry on the ground and they're f- over 5 yards a carry on the ground but this secondary which you know the the combination of of the, the, the pass rush or lack thereof. And yes, 30 sacks with Miles Garrett and Javion Clowney is lack thereof. And then all of the equity in, in terms of draft capital that they have in the back end of that defense. Like I know everybody wants to throw this at the feet of Baker Mayfield. But again, I don't think anybody went in into the season thinking that Baker Mayfield was going to be Peyton Manning circa 2009. And if you did, you're an idiot. You thought the defense was going to be dominant. And it's not been. And we talked about that with the with the Bills yesterday. At least they came to play. What, they have six turnovers yesterday against a lousy team? I mean, this is a vaunted, vaunted defense that gave up nearly half a hundred to a rookie quarterback.
2: Yeah, secondary. I mean, their defense uh, can be a lot better. You know, they could be a lot better uh, in the aspect of getting turnovers covered. Secondary hasn't really been. You know, the, the spark of the team like they could be with that front seven that they have, you know, with the two defensive ends that they have playing outstanding. You know, it's it's very ironic that this defense hasn't evolved and hasn't amounted to the potential that they have with, with all the playmakers that they have on that side of the ball. But I'm not going to uh, put the onus on just the defense. I think the offense, you know, if they're running the ball at the clip that they're running, you know, Baker Mayfield still has to be able to. He had, going into the season, arguably one of the, the most prolific offensive of p- firepower there is with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. You put uh, Higgins in the mix, um, and then you you got the tight end, um, and then you also got those two or now three workhorses of running backs. I mean, they, they have the players to get it done. But for whatever reason, they're just not getting it done. And and there's no excuse for it. You know, offensively, defensively, special teams, when you're a pro player, you always talk about you got to have all three phases working together. But it feels like the Browns are are trending in the wrong direction. And and I don't know what the cause of that is because obviously it wasn't Odell Beckham.
1: Guys, I want to put you on the spot here. We're now in week 11. This team is five and five. They get a bye week in week 13, but their schedule is brutal. I, I reiterate what I said at the beginning. I don't think this team is a playoff team. You look at who they have to play. You look at the way they've been performing over the last four to five weeks. Their two wins have been against the Broncos and a Bengals team who's still yet unproven. Do this? Does this team still feel like a playoff team to you? I, I don't. I don't see it. I, I don't. You're last in the division. You've got a ridiculous schedule coming up, and this. I also go back to this name. Me the last Super Bowl won by a team without an elite quarterback. What uh, do we have to Eagles. go back to, do we have to go back to 2012, Joe Flacco in Baltimore, the Eagles 17. Well, I would also argue that Nick falls that year was unbelievable when Wentz went down. Well, I mean,
0: you said an elite quarterback. I mean, you know, yeah, a lot of quarterbacks have a good run. I mean, if he was an elite quarterback, he'd still be playing. But I, w- I, mean, I want to be- circle back to, you, to this. You talk about are the Browns a playoff team? And as I'm looking at some of these numbers, I'm starting to see it. And, you know, this is to me is an alarming one, Joe Vaughn. And you're, ne- you're never going to win. You are never, ever, ever, ever going to win if you are allowing numbers like this for the year. Browns opponents are 56 for 126 in third down conversions. That's 44% third down conversion, a fourth down conversion. You know, the number is what the number is, but how often do teams actually go for it? Not terribly often, but they come in critical spots when they do go for it. Browns opponents are eight of 15 on fourth down conversions. When you're 44% on third down and 53% on fourth down, no, you're not a playoff
2: team yeah uh, i i get i definitely get the drift on that one you know that that that's operating at a high tick on third and fourth down defensively you never want to see that you never want that number to be you know more than 30 percent. if it's even around 30 percent, that's still um, you know, one to three first downs. I mean, one out of every three f- opportunities you get in a first down like that. That's a that's that's not where you want to live in defensive football. You, you you're not going to be a playoff caliber teams when teams are able to convert um, in situations like that. Situational football must be on your side, and they're they're not operating at a at a effective enough level uh, defensively to be a playoff contender right now.
1: All right. Cleveland 5 and 5. I I still don't think they're a playoff team and and uh yeah, Joe, our, our my second date with Odell is tomorrow. So th- so thanks for bringing that up by the no, way. No, I said what's up? Yeah, I got I got well I got I got a trip I got a trip to LA tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the next 4 or 5 days off of work so I can go. Uh yeah, that that's exact that's exactly my plans for the week anyway. Speaking of plans, uh the Steelers don't have many. Let's let's transition to this. There were a lot of questions in the offseason. I had many of them as to why the Pittsburgh Steelers kept Ben Roethlisberger. He's 39. He's old. He's aging. Joe Ledeski's into the podcast every time. He's not on the back nine. He's on the 18th green. And I would agree with you. But yesterday gave me specifically, and I think a lot of people in this area, a realization of why the Steelers did what they did. When you don't have a backup plan, when you don't have a secondary option, and when you know the people behind your aging, decrepit starter are less old, decrepit starting quarterbacks, you feel trapped. Now, I'm not saying the Steelers should have, uh, shouldn't have drafted a quarterback in a very quarterback-heavy draft in 2021. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have traded for a quarterback, let's say a Jimmy Garoppolo or someone to hold you over. But this team knew that if they moved off of Ben, their backup plan was atrocious. And we saw that yesterday. Mason Rudolph threw the ball 50 times. In what world should Mason Rudolph or any backup quarterback on planet Earth ever throw 50 times? We watched last week as Cliff Kingsbury led Colt McCoy to a game plan that gave them a blowout win over the early season Super Bowl hopeful San Francisco 49ers. You keep your quarterback because you don't like your backup plan. That is the only reason why Pittsburgh kept number seven and it showed yesterday. The fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers against the 27th ranked defense in football on their home field, no less couldn't put up more than 16 points is abominable. And to me, it signifies a couple of things. One, this team might've been benefiting from an easy schedule the last few weeks. And number two, forget this year, guys, what in the world happens next season when you don't have your starting quarterback? But we'll focus on this year first. Was yesterday's tie to the Detroit Lions guys a sign that the Steelers maybe aren't as good as people hoped that they were the last couple of weeks?
0: I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't get them into the playoffs. Uh, you know, think about historically how often a tie is the is the benefit, you know, is the, the beneficiary of you know, to, of the of that team, um, I think it's interesting when you look at where they are, and you know, I, I think you do have to appreciate. But again, there's a reason that Ben Roethlisberger was brought back, and you know, you look at where they are, and you got to ask yourself where are they going? Because it's pretty obvious it's not it's not Mason Rudolph. I'm not certain it's Dwayne Haskins either. I know he's got a a big rope, but there's a reason the football team cut ties with him uh, whether he wasn't mentally or physically or a combination of both mature level wise to be in I, I just i think that you look at the plan and the the problem they have and i think you might find this to, to use the parallel to the cleveland browns because in theory now granted the steelers defense is is probably better than the browns right now but on paper, I think the, the Browns is certainly better. And, you know, obviously, Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt, two of the premier pass rushers in the league. I mean, this is a quintessential job on where you keep the band together, you know, one more, you know, one more time. And I think what you're seeing is, you remember, the, you remember after the Phillies won the World Series? I mean, they didn't know what to do with Ryan Howard's contract. They didn't know what to do with Chase Utley. They didn't know what to do with Jimmy Rollins. And they kept, you know, they just kept the band together because, well, you know, they won before, and you know, they're, you know, they're a little long in the tooth, but they're not that old. Maybe we just keep them together one more year, and they'll, you know, they'll 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 find their stride. But when you have a team that's built to win now, um, again, much like the Browns, the 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 quarterback position puts you in quite the conundrum. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, quarter
0: quarterback play, no matter
2: who you are, I mean, is is vital for each team's success Um, just to highlight the Steelers game against the Lions yesterday. It wasn't that their offense was atrocious. I mean, I mean, Mason Rudolph did throw the ball 50 times, which is, which is not ideal for a backup quarterback, but Najee Harris ran the ball 26 times for 105 yards. And he also had four catches out the backfield for 28, which is, is not bad. That's, that's pretty good. 30 touches for your playmaker. But defensively, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. I mean, you got DeAndre Swift ran for 130 yards, and the backup running back had two carries for 56 yards. I mean, they gave up 250 yards on the ground. So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you play against If You can't stop the run. The course, the, of course, the scores are going to be down. They're never, you're never going to beat a team how you should beat them if you can't stop the run game from the opposing team. I mean, Jared Goff only threw for 114 yards. That's got to be the season low for the Steelers secondary in in regards to um, being able to to close the game out. And and granted, uh, Deontay Johnson fumbled the ball in overtime on a 50-yard catch that would have put them in position to win the game. So, I mean, I I can't really say that the tie is – uh, the the uh, thing that they, cause they should have won that game. They had many opportunities. Even uh, Najee Harris had a, a touchdown run called back. So, you know, there's, there's instances where, you know, they had the opportunity to over overcome and win that game. And they just didn't do it, which is a scary thing.
1: You know, Jovan, here's my concern. And I want to ask you this because I think this pertains to your defensive knowledge and, and I, I'm starting to see a bit of a trend and it's worrying me. I'm starting to feel like the Steelers are becoming too dependent on 97 and 90. You look at TJ mm-hmm. Watt and in the games where he hasn't been able to play with injury or he's been limited with injury, the Steelers defense has all of a sudden become pedestrian early in the season. their losses to the Raiders. their losses to the Bengals. Teams opened up the field on them. You look at this game yesterday, as you mentioned, 229 total rushing yards. When these two guys or one of them aren't on the field, as T.J. Watt wasn't yesterday for a significant portion of the second half, this defense all of a sudden becomes, to me, fairly pedestrian. Uh, I mean, you look at a guy like Devin Bush, who I'm starting to really think that the Steelers are probably kicking themselves more for that draft pick than any other draft pick in history. Uh, You know, Joe Hayden, he's sure he's been on the sideline. Who knows how long he's going to be on the shelf. He hasn't been his best. Minka Fitzpatrick has all of a sudden gone from all pro to potentially all-time bench sitter because he just hasn't been playing his best. I mean, I don't know, Joe Vaughn. it seems to me like this Pittsburgh defense is relying too much on two players. And that is a concern uh, if I were a Steelers fan or I'm anybody that follows Pittsburgh.
2: Defensively, I think, um, you know, to to piggyback off of what you said, I think Minka Fitzpatrick hasn't had as many opportunities to make plays. He made a hell of an interception yesterday that got called back due to penalty. Uh, Joe Hayden had an opportunity to intercept the ball on a deep ball. He didn't do it. Um, But with T.J. Watt, the reason why they paid T.J. Watt the numbers that they gave him is because he's that dynamic of a pass rusher and player on the defensive side of the football, and he gets it done. Him and 97 are two of the leaders on that defense. And with one of them out, it, it causes a bit of concern. But you should, you would think that in defensive football, that you know, each player individually has to do their job. You can't rely on the TJ Watts of the world or the Cam Haywards of the world to just dominate the football game. They, that's why those guys get paid. They got to be, a, the backup has to be able to come in there and produce. You can't come in there and have a drastic drop-off uh, behind the, the first, uh, the first starter and the, the guy behind them. You they, they just can't do it. 11 guys got to be able to play together. And that that's just, they're struggling to get that done.
1: Well, I don't know. At this point for Pittsburgh, uh, who knows? Uh, guys, I want to pitch this to you, too, because we're in the other midseason part of the year. What do we make of the Steelers? Are these guys a playoff team? Are they not a playoff team? Are they on the fringe? I mean, if the season ends today, yeah, they're going to they're going to Kansas City, I think, to play the Chiefs. But, man, I, I don't know. I don't know how to call this team. Uh, Joe, a uh, uh, start view on this. Is Pittsburgh a playoff team in your mind? I want to back
0: up. I think I misspoke when I said about the Browns and their pass rush. I think I said – I meant to say Jadavion Clowney. Only ha- I mean, he only has three and a half sacks. I think I said Miles Garrett. He's got 13. I know he leads the NFL. In I think I said it backwards.
1: But yeah, he ain't the problem.
0: Yeah, he he's not the problem. But we talked about how exciting Clowney could be opposite him. I'm fairly certain I said that backwards. Um, are they a playoff team? I mean, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, do, are you excited about them? No. I mean, there's not – I don't know who they are. Um, I knew who they were and they're not that anymore. Um, You know, defensively, they've had some issues um, defensively and that's, you know, that's who they are. And, you know, I think the, we've talked about, you know, Ben being a game manager and how important it is to, to embrace all of, all of that. You know, you think about what they've been forced to do uh, you know, I guess I guess we didn't realize how good the likes of you know Tyson Alualu and um, Stephon Tuit were, you know certainly to to have to bring. We thought they were doing the the right thing with Melvin Ingram, that didn't work out. You know they had to bring in Taco Charlton. Uh, you know that's that's an issue. I, you know I think you you look at you know Isaiah Bugs maybe someday will grow up into be a a good player. I think Isaiah Loudermilk is is really sort of impressed uh in spots but i think i i think as as good as the back end has been could be will be you know maybe can be um you know they're they've been they've called some guys you know arthur mollett got balled up what last week it was you know james pierre has been yeah you know you, you they've got some injuries i mean obviously tj watts injuries is the sexiest of all the injuries right you know hayden's up there too but they are just not physical up front they do not do what they had done and I think that's the element you know in terms of why they're so I don't know they're not dominant at the point of attack like I think we anticipated them Joe on and, and you know you know you I don't care how good of a cover guy you are you know, you know, can't be covering forever and you know what is yeah. you know they need to play complementary football a lot like the Browns do I mean they've gotten there but I mean you were talking with Watt and Miles Garrett, I mean, you are talking once-in-a-generation type edges here. I mean, you know, these aren't, you know, some dudes that are just just this year, you know, going to maybe get, you know, 17, 18 sacks. They literally do it every year. And, you know, the Browns and the Steelers are basically in the same boat, whereas Watt has half their sacks. That's not going to get it done. I mean, it's just, it's not. And, you know, as I alluded to with Jaden on Clowney, him only having three-and-a-half sacks is is embarrassing. I mean that is. I mean, you imagine the amount of money that you're getting paid, and you're playing opposite, opposite of the guy like Miles Garrett or TJ Watt, and you don't have seven, eight, nine sacks. How is that humanly possible? Like, are you not trying?
2: I mean, I mean, Davion Clowney. I think, um, I think he's he's yet to hit his stride on the season. I mean, he's had ten games. I don't know how many reps he's played. I don't know if he's been dealing with any sort of injuries or anything like that. Um, But he definitely got paid to come in there and be a compliment to Miles Garrett. And and I'm sure all teams uh, are sliding covers to Miles Garrett. They're finding ways to chip him with the running back. They're finding ways to block down on him with receivers. They're finding ways to just, you know, keep him on his toes uh, in regards to how they're going to block him. So Jadavion Clowney is the beneficiary of one-on-one pass rush a lot so he should ha- definitely have much higher numbers um to date with with the amount of one-on-ones he's getting that that's insane that he only has three and a half sacks um i, I would expect that through 10 games he would have had at least seven or eight like you said i mean he got to get it going or you know that contract has to get disposed of and, and get somebody in there that can be a compliment to miles garrett
1: Yeah, speaking of underperforming, speaking of not being excited about teams, are we excited about any team in the AFC right now? I I mean, I'm looking at the records here. (laughs) Let's be honest. If you discount Tennessee, there is no front runner in this AFC playoff picture. I'm getting, I mean, in all seriousness, you you look at the teams in the conference, save for maybe three or four of them, this one's wide open. I mean, have, have we ever seen a year where there's been so much parody, so much craziness on a week to week basis, that every team virtually is still in it at this point. I- I've never seen it.
2: Unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable. The AFC has underachieved, in my opinion. I mean, the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry are are still the front runner in the AFC. Everybody going into the season thought that the Buffalo Bills were going to be the team to beat. And yes, they were to a certain extent, but as long as they refuse to run the football, they're not going to beat anybody. And we talked about that over and over and over again. You went, your two top running backs went from having five carries a piece in the last three or four games to both only having seven in the last game. So, I mean, yeah, they have more rushing yards than, than Josh Allen, which is expected, but you know, they both only had seven carries. They still threw the ball over and over and over again. And I, that's scary. I mean, the AFC is scary. I'm gonna I think, in all honesty, I, I believe the Chiefs are getting ready to make a run in the AFC after a oh, game I've, with the Cowboys. I'm, this sad.
1: I'm sad that you mentioned that, Jovan. I, I'm a little worried too. Guys, let's be <laughs> let's be real with ourselves here. Chiefs are back. Chiefs are back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, it's it's incredible, man. It's crazy, I mean, uh, as, know, and, as bad and, as they've been, as bad I think as it's, they've been.
1: I think it's interesting. You know, we do we do our hot takes here. Everyone in the media they talk about, uh, you know, craziness with this, or I think extreme of this, or I think extreme of that, and and, and you know, oh, you know, the Chiefs are in some trouble and whatnot. I, I heard a good quote from a couple of radio people earlier today that, that I follow on the national scheme. And a couple of them said that after this week, the adults are back in charge. Now I think we can transition to the bills with this too, because clearly Buffalo, we really don't have to talk about their win against the jets. That was to be expected. Although yours truly thought it would be closer. And I probably would have lost a bunch of money if I had been to bet against the spread. However, With Buffalo, Kansas City, I I don't know. Is it possible, guys, that the AFC could be returning to form in some way? I'm not saying it's there yet, but you look at Kansas City, they're now on a roll. You look at Buffalo, they bounce back, and their schedule doesn't get any more difficult. New England starting to peak up from under the covers. Mm -hmm. Are we starting to see normality in the AFC again in your guys' mind?
0: I think you look at – I think the, the big one yesterday was, you know, I, I called for the Bills' defense to show up. Well, they have six turnovers yesterday. Um, you know, on the contrary, you know, I'm, I'm sort of surprised at this. You know, I like I like to look at, you know, numbers. You know, we, we're sort of down in the Bills. And, yeah, they haven't played, you know, but then again, they don't have any control over who they've played. But, you know, their opponents are only – on third down conversion. Their opponents on average only run the ball 84 yards a game. You know, this is a team that holds their opponents to 285 yards of total offense. As flawed as they may be in their inability to run the ball, they've outscored their opponents 280 to 135. They've only given up 14 touchdowns all year long. And 15 points a game is what their opponents are, are doing. And we talk about, you know, yeah, they got to run the ball to, to win in the playoffs, and it gets called, and it get, you know. But you know what? Defense is always going to win championships. You know, we talked. You said, when's the last time an elite quarterback didn't win the Super Bowl? I'm gonna double. I'm gonna double back on you, Isaac. When's the last time the NFL's leading passer won the Super Bowl? I think the correct answer is never. So you know, yeah, I mean. You know, chicks dig, you know, the quarterback and scoring all the points. But to me, and this is, again, I go back to the Browns because of the potential that's there on defense, because that's always going to be what wins the day. I mean, yeah, I know you got the 28-3 comeback, and you sure you have some shootouts. But more often than not, defense is is what gets it done. And we talked about why the Browns aren't a playoff team. But you know what? You hold your opponents to less than 30% on third down conversion rate you're getting off the field and you're giving your quarterback the ball back. And Josh Allen is, is is a dynamic guy. He had a big day yesterday, big play. Stephon Diggs is as good as anyone in the NFL, but that Bill's defense, I think when, when they're playing on offense, that Bill's defense pretty much comes to play every week. And again, say what you want about the egg in which uh, they laid in Jacksonville, but guess what? The Bill's defense held up their end of the deal in that game as well. I mean, defensively, the Bill's, are as good as anybody, and they will be able to travel if need be.
2: Now, now, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw your bone here. The the Bills defense, granted, they're tops in all these categories. They played the Dolphins twice and only gave up eleven points. They played the Texans and beat them forty to zero. They beat the Redskins or the Washington football team. They only scored 21, and the Chiefs scored 20, which is pretty good offense. But the Titans had 34, and the Steelers had 23. Those two games, they lost. So their defense is playing well against teams that have, you know, not very good offenses. I mean, it's not hard to to put up a 40-0 to win against the Texans. I mean, without Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, I mean, nobody even knows who the other guy is. And then the Miami Dolphins, I mean, I don't even know who played quarterback in those games, but I mean, they, they whooped up on them. I mean, they've been the beneficiary of playing against some teams that, you know, they're expected to go out there and dominate. And quite honestly, they haven't really dominated anybody that were notable teams like the Texans and the Steelers, and they lost to the Jags, which they probably should have won. And then they, they beat up on the, uh, the, the New York jets. I mean, we're going to see what they're made of this week against the Indianapolis Colts coming up.
0: But aren't they, don't you judge a team by beating, you know, if they win the games they're supposed to win and they win half the games they're supposed to lose, isn't that how you define a good team? I mean, yeah, they laid an egg against the Jaguars, and but you mentioned the two – I mean, the, the Titans are 8-2. and two. I mean, they're the best team in the NFL right now, arguably. And if the playoffs started tomorrow, the Steelers are in. So, again, you can make – and I don't disagree with they did not play well in those games – I'm just simply saying if you take it as a statistical hole, as mm-hmm. a statistical hole, they've held up their end of the deal, and you talk about, you know, the potential and what you're going to – I mean, eventually you're going to have to beat those teams. I under, I understand that. Probably not, maybe not the Steelers, but certainly uh, Kansas City and what would appear to be the mm-hmm. Titans. But their, their defense is amazing considering that they only have 14 sacks on the year, and, you know, Poyer's got, what, four picks? I mean, they've got potential – to play with anyone that I'm I'm not certain that right now you can
1: make that argument for a team like the Steelers because they're so beat up on that defensive front. Guys, you know what I, you know what I value in, in teams, in the best teams, I value consistency. Who is the best unit of the three local teams that we cover? The Bills, Browns, and Steelers. I would argue it's Buffalo's offense. Say what you want about the running game. That team mm-hmm. comes to play every day. You exclude the Jacksonville game. They've been playing well. You know what's interesting? We got about three minutes to go left in the show here, guys. But is I think the way that this season works out, the first team to put together a gigantic winning streak down the stretch is the team that's going to me to be the AFC champ because we have not seen any of these teams play with a ton of consistency so far this year. Yeah, it's going mean, to come, was, there. It's uh, gonna you're come gonna down. You're going
0: to ask me what team's been consistent. I don't think there's been a consistent team in the NFL. <laughs> well, there's the there's no answer for them.
1: zero.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, the Titans has been the only – they're they're the one that's playing the most consistent. I mean,
1: well, granted, the, the Cowboys, Cowboys quick, lost. Quick, quick question, though, for Tennessee. If they get into a playoff game, let's say, I don't know, you pick whoever, a Kansas City, a Pittsburgh, uh, a Baltimore, do you trust them to win without Derrick Henry? I mean,
2: uh, that, that's questionable. I mean, I think, I think they, they can win without Derrick Henry, but it's going to take their defense uh, playing on all cylinders to, for them to be able to effectively go out there and win uh, without Henry. But, I mean, they, they do have the pedigree, um, defensive football, Um, that that can go out there and get it done. They've been playing outstanding defense the last couple weeks. And I expect that to continue going forward.
1: Joe, you got any final thoughts on this Monday? I don't know. I don't even like football. It's stupid. (laughs) Liar. (laughs) You liar. We all sit back in our, we all sit back in our chairs with our six foot long subs and watch the chaos that is the NFL and college too, I guess.
2: I'm going to be interested to see what the Bills do going forward with their next six games of their schedule with the with the Colts, the Saints, the Patriots, the Bucks and the Panthers with the resurface of Cam Newton in, in Carolina. I'm going to be interested to see how that Bills defense operates in those games. That's going to tell me a lot about, you know, what they have potentially going forward for the playoff run.
1: All right, well, we may not all like football, but I like you guys and I like this podcast and another cool episode in the books. Quick note before we go, Minka Fitzpatrick for the Steelers placed on the COVID-19 list, so Pittsburgh will be without arguably their best defensive back as we go into the game against the Chargers. Uh, I'm going to be in Indianapolis, this, uh, rather Buffalo, this week. Bills and Colts, we'll have an episode for you on Friday as we get ready for more high school football and NFL Week 11. Is there any team that's going to have consistency? That's the word of the day. We'll see. For Joe Ledesky, Joe Von Johnson, this has been the Critical Eye Podcast. I'm Isaac Petcash. Enjoy your Monday. We'll see you on Friday.